0: Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay. Thanks ever so much for listening to today's podcast on Tuesday, the 27th of September. Now, what do you think about short term holiday lets or places like Airbnb? Perhaps you've stayed in one before, when new research has found that nine in ten people in Whitstable are concerned about the impact they're having on the town. It's actually something we've spoken about on the podcast before, and now the results of an online survey of residents have been published. It was Carried out by the Canterbury District Green Party. First, let's hear the thoughts of Councillor Claire Turnbull, who represents the area. I think what really struck
1: me, and it was um, quite moving, really, was that people were were very. Some people were very upset, very distressed. Um, we did a bit of door knocking as well when we were um, just before um, the uh, in the run up to the public meeting. And again, uh, there, there was a lot of passion there. People sort of, the way people were telling their story about having to um, not being able to find you know, that their, their, their lease coming to an end, not being able to find another property for a, a long term let because uh, everything was going over to short term let, um, and not being able to live together as families or to you know to, to live close to their families and support each other in that way, which also came across strongly in the survey. Um, it was this uh, real sense of a loss of community and people were very sad about it and passionate about it. So th- there was that angle and also quite a lot of people were very distressed by living next door to um, busy short-term lets where they were having a constant turnover of, of people next door um, who were also in, or, or obviously sort of in holiday mode and they're, they're not really living as they would live if they were in their own home and they were sort of coming and going, obviously, and um. At different hours of the night, maybe partying, Um, and they just, you know, and and of course, Whitstable is its narrow streets, it's um, a lot of uh, terraced houses. They're old houses, they're quite small, very, very close together, Um, and it, it obviously has an impact when this is happening locally. And of course, parking is a, you know, it's a massive issue as it, as it it always is, and um, people coming and staying in holiday lets and. Um, maybe bringing multiple cars because there's a couple of families coming or whatever, it, and it and it all adds to the sort of the you know that makes life more difficult for residents to, to sort of run their lives. And it, and it was sad hearing people saying, you know, I don't feel I can go out because I, I it's so busy or because I, I won't be able to park when I get back. I mean, that's not just short term lets. We understand that. It's yeah. So so the, but but also it is you know it is important to stress that people do appreciate. That, you know that it is a holiday town and and, and the town does need the visitor. So it just feels like the balance is tilted away from it being um, a lovely community place to live, um, and in favor of, of a sort of a, a constantly mo- moving population, which in the end, will be detrimental to the town.
0: How do you strike that happy balance then? Because as you say, most people appreciate that they're coming and spending mm. an awful lot of money in Whitstable, which is great for the local economy. But mm. we've spoken to people before who simply said, I don't feel that we've got a community like we used to have. So how do you strike that happy yeah. balance? What needs to be done? Well, that's, uh, that's a very good question. And I think that a lot of
1: communities around um, the country are, wo- are are trying to work on that. On that particular question, how do we how do we strike that balance? Um, I think the first thing it, um, it is at the moment it's it, there's no sort of checks on on people coming in and, and, and maybe buying up a house and just letting it out. Um, obviously, Airbnb is a uh, for example <laughs> as a platform was set up for people to let out spare space in their house or to um, let their house while they're away. Um, and, and and of course it's because there is no regulation around that, I and mean, they have got codes of conduct which people can uh, sign up to if they wish to. But because there's no a- actual regulation, uh, people are seeing an opportunity to 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 just change it. So I think that the, the first thing you can, the first the starting point you can you can have is to have to actually register, to actually have to um, so that so that the council is aware um, of which houses are and are not being used, and. Um, it can begin to sort of make it a bit more a bit more complicated to not i don't know a few more hoops to jump through i suppose to um to be able to just set up like that i think it, there's got to be some way of monitoring how many how many people are going and also how people are if you are going to let it out as a short-term let, that it is being let out responsibly and
0: respectfully. So as you heard there, while residents are worried, they also appreciate that short-term holiday lets are good for the local economy. Well, Lucy joins me now with a bit more on this, because Kent Online have actually spoken to an Airbnb owner, haven't they? Yes, this is Chris Cornell, who's also a Labour councillor in the town. He says they're vital for the tourist economy, but interestingly is in favour of there being some form of regulation. He goes on to say that if Whitstable didn't have them, a lot of jobs and trade simply wouldn't be there. He's told our reporter, I pay business rates and have commercial cleaning contracts, so I'm not your average Airbnb owner as I pay more than I'm forced to. Thanks ever so much Lucy. Well Whitstable is ranked as the eighth most popular town in the UK for second homeowners with Albert Street thought to have among the highest concentration. We'd love to know what you think about this story today. You can comment on the story on the website or get in touch via our socials. Kent Online News. Some other top stories for you today and a man's been taken to a London hospital following a serious crash on the M2. He had to be freed by firefighters after a lorry and van collided Between Gillingham and Sittingbourne at about six this morning. The motorway was closed for more than two hours, causing long delays in the surrounding area. The family of a young footballer from Aylesford, described as lovely and bubbly, say they still don't understand why she died. 20 year old Danielle Cubitt passed away in her sleep at the end of last month. Relatives are now fundraising for a memorial bench in her honour. A teenage boy has been arrested after a police chase led to a search of Herm Bay Cemetery. A car failed to stop in the Canterbury Road area yesterday evening and then crashed into another vehicle. The police helicopter, armed officers and dog units were deployed to find the occupants who ran off on foot. A 17 year old was detained. It's emerged an elderly man who was hit by a motorbike and killed near Ashford had complained about safety in that exact spot. Chris Smith was knocked down while crossing the A262 Tenderden Road in Biddenden. The 72 year old had apparently written to Kent County Council just three weeks earlier bosses say they're unable to comment while a police investigation is ongoing now the kent online podcast has been told how some small businesses in folkestone town centre face tough choices this winter we've all heard about the cost of living and its impact is still continuing to be felt in the county now a number of firms in the high street including restaurants have closed down but on the flip side, some have decided to launch just as the government's pledge to discount wholesale energy costs for non-domestic users for six months from October. Reese has been chatting to Kieran Blindle, the owner of newly opened Fond Coffee.
2: We started uh, our first coffee shop. We uh, were a coffee roastery started a few years back, but um, we actually went into cafes two weeks before COVID hit. Um, we opened one in Canterbury, and then um, that was quite a success. Then we opened one in Dreamland in Margate, Uh, that's of course seasonal, so now uh, we've looked at Folkestone for about the past year looking at different units and finally found them that we liked and managed to agree a a nice deal on it and um, I'm just really excited to to be here to open it. So,
3: Um, And what's the sort of reaction been so far then from people popping in? Yeah, so
2: far so good, Um, we've, we've made a lot of friends and had a lot of regular people come in already and we've only been open for like four days now so. Um, I'm really impressed with with the reception, really.
3: Mm. And, and what was it about Folkestone that made you think this was a great place to sort of branch out to with a new venue?
2: Yeah, so f- I've seen Folkestone uh, develop over the last 12 months in particular. Um, and I think we're in, at a part of the town where it, we're just reaching up from the harbour. Um, and I think this is going to be the start of, the, of the, the next wave of development into the high street. So uh, I think... I think we've got a good
3: foot footfall in the, in the yeah. meantime, and I think it's only going to do better. Excellent. And is it a bit of a, a, a slightly nerve-wracking time to do it, given the sort of wider economic picture? Yeah, and
2: no, for sure. Um, I mean, all be- all business is a bit scary sometimes, but I think if you've got a solid product and, and the ideas behind it, if you're, if you're sure about what you're doing, then you're going to succeed no matter what the economic climate is. So. Just got to believe in what you sell and hope other people jump on the bandwagon. So,
3: yeah, and I mean, Folkestone is uh, is well stocked for coffee places. It is, Um, yeah, it is. That's a bit of a sort of running joke among the locals. um Is it? It's almost a bit of a sort of Darwinistic sort of survival of the fittest, (laughs) I guess, in a way, because the market will decide, won't it? It will. It will. The product will what will product talk for itself.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, um to be honest, I think if we treat it a bit like a bit of a community hub, then. Um, make friends with the locals, um, all the stuff we employ in our locals, so um, I, I think all they just need is a bit of training the way we do things compared to other people, and the interactions with customers would be really genuine, um, and that 's what customers come back for
3: yeah and, and do you think that um, your business sort of fits in with that vibe of what you think folks you know you said you 've seen folks developing, and yeah, I you know, I think um, we picked folks and. Uh,
2: Because it it does fit with what we're trying to do and um, the kind of people that are moving to Folkestone or or generally already here um, are people that we want to sort of be around and I think, yeah, good vibes around.
0: Well, we'd love to hear your story. Perhaps you're the owner of a small business. You can get in contact with us via our socials, or you can email news at thekmgroup.co.uk. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group, with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. A care home in Tunbridge has been put in special measures after residents were found to have dirty nails, clothes and unexplained bruises. The Care Quality Commission carried out an unannounced inspection at Barnes Lodge, which has now been rated inadequate. It'll be kept under review and visited again within the next six months to make sure improvements are made. It's more fallout from last week's mini budget for you now and the podcast has been hearing how house building in Kent needs to benefit the whole county and help those wanting to get on the property ladder. It's after Kent was named as a potential investment zone by the government. What does that mean? Well, it would see some restrictions eased so large-scale developments could be pushed through much quicker. Green councillor Mark Hood says there needs to be caution there.
2: The idea that we can we can potentially lose things like control over the greenbelt in an area like Thamesham which is 70% greenbelt is, is truly horrifying for I think all residents here and across Kent. We need to make sure that the housing that does get built here actually works for the people who live in Kent so that the people who can't get on the housing ladder have got housing for, for rent. A rate right that they can afford.
0: Our colleagues at KMTV have also been speaking to Councillor Derek Murphy. He's Kent's Cabinet Member for Economic Development.
4: Yes, I think there is a need for more housing in Kent, but it has to be sustainable. It has to sort of work in with the environment, and also it has to provide communities uh, uh, which are, are communities of well-being. It, it, it's no good just sticking ten thousand houses in the middle of a field somewhere. It, it, it's just not. Uh, it's just not the right thing to be doing. Until, to be quite honest, we see the exact details of what the government are proposing, we are certainly not going to make any decisions.
0: You can let us know what you think of this story today by commenting on it by heading to Kent Online. Meantime, an investigation has revealed Kent County Council has sold £40 million worth of land and buildings to housing developers over the last three years. That includes school playing fields, libraries and education centres. Bosses say getting rid of unused property generates more money for investment into public services but there are calls for them to be sold to community groups instead of just the highest bidder. Deadly asbestos has been discovered in the offices of Swale Council during a £2 million revamp. It means meetings have been moved from the old building on East Street in Sittingbourne. There are also questions over whether the dangerous material was flagged up in previous surveys. Kent Online reports. A really interesting piece next on the podcast. Journeys in a part of Kent made by people using a wheelchair have been described as like dicing with death. Councillor Tim Prater is able-bodied but has been out in a wheelchair in Folkestone to see what it's like for those who need them to get around. He's been telling the podcast exactly what it was like. It's
5: been a huge series of different challenges. Uh, It's really interesting... It's been really interesting to see the things that you wouldn't normally think about day-to-day um, as the challenges and experiences that they have been. So I'd stupor- the, the route that we've taken today, um, we've been through a number of places, we found pavements that have got uh, uh, street lights in which have made the pavement too narrow to get a uh, wheelchair down. I've met roads that you can't cross because you haven't got drop curbs, I've met pavements that are covered in shingle which has meant that the wheelchair has swerved from left to right. Um, I've uh, seen accessible drop curbs that are in place which have got a lip on them which meant you can't get up over them safely. And then coming down through Folkestone, you'd think that something like the Road of Remembrance, coming down the Road of Remembrance in a wheelchair, mentally you think that's really easy. Mentally you think, well that's going to be okay as long as you control your speed then you're going to be okay. And it was the hardest thing I think I've seen. I I was in a powered chair and it was really hard, steering down the road of memories. My colleague Adam, who was in a manual chair, um, has pledged that he's never doing that again. Um, It was a near-death experience as far as he is concerned. And actually, a couple of times, he had to stop himself by putting a foot out to save himself falling out, which is not as a luxury, not available to other people. Coming along here to the Harbour Arm now, which is great now you're on the Harbour Arm. It's flat and it's open and it's got some good decent accessible seating and it's got a beer that I can't begin to tell you how welcome that is. Um, But we come along the boardwalk to get there and in a wheelchair that was horrible. And I've walked along it time after time uh, as a local resident um, to the Harbour Arm and never thought about it, never thought about how bad an experience it would be in a wheelchair. And it's horrible. Um, It makes you feel sick. I was in the manual chair coming along there. I've pushed myself along it. You keep getting caught in ruts. You'll have seen video of me um, getting caught and uh, swerving from left to right. And that's before the beer. Um, And it's just a really inaccessible experience. And that's that's what's been the eye-opener today of how many little things, little different things, have made it much harder than it needs to be as a uh, place to get around. And some of the adjustments to make fix them would be really easy. And that's that's what I'm taking from it at the moment, is that there are some, some things that, if you just thought about, you could fix
0: it. Well, a real eye-opener for Tim and his colleague there. The mobility group who organised this whole thing are hoping it'll lead to more awareness and changes. You can let us know how you've been affected. Perhaps you use a wheelchair and struggle to get around where you live. We'd love to tell your story. Do contact us via the website. Royal Mail has unveiled four new stamps in memory of the Queen. The black and white portraits of the late monarch are the first stamps to have been approved by King Charles. The photographs taken between 1952 and 1996 will be released in a special commemorative presentation pack when they go on sale in November A Kent restaurant has been recognised at the annual TripAdvisor Awards The Hyde & Fox in Hythe has been named third best fine dining restaurant in the UK and twelfth in Europe And finally, Kent's first Wendy's restaurant has officially opened today The American Diner is in the old Carphone Warehouse store in Maidstone Town Centre It's one of 50 new branches planned across the UK, you can see photos today by heading to Kent Online.
3: Kent Online Sports.
0: Cricket and all-rounder Darren Stevens' Kent career has been celebrated today as he leaves the club after 17 years. The 46 year old joined from Leicestershire back in 2005 and has gone on to score more than 22,000 runs. Well, In the lunch break of their final match of the season at Canterbury, the 46 year old was welcomed to the outfield for a special presentation. Paul Downton is the club's director of cricket and I spoke to him about steve after their victory in the one-day cup
4: darren uh, has had a good a very good tournament um, um but before that you know he's had a fantastic cricket career and to be still playing at 46 uh is a testament to him and his energy and appetite to keep going um and you know i'm a kent legend i think so many people can identify with him certainly from kent supporters and kent members point of view um you know he, he's been absolutely well steve-o is god as they say um and for him you know he's unfortunately picked up a groin strain uh, in the game itself he was going to play uh, in our last one or possibly two championship matches but that's now not going to be the case so um yeah his last game for kent will be in a final uh, and as he said before i think he's played in four previous finals not one one of them uh, and so to finish his last two years with the t20 blast trophy last year Uh, And now the Royal London Cup this year is a fitting way to finish. And uh, yeah, he'll take some very good memories away with it, I'm sure.
0: Many, many congratulations to Darren on a fantastic career at Kent. And we do wish him all the very best for the future. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. And you can also get access to the ad-free Kent Online premium site. To do that, you need to subscribe. Just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe.